Hello and welcome to Hillcrest To Go. I'm your host, John Parker. Today, Dr. Tom Goodman continues his series through the Gospel of John with a message titled, Divine Ophthalmology. First, our scripture reading, followed by an important message from Dr. Tom Goodman. Today's scripture comes from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means sent. So the man went and washed and came home, seeing. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Katie, for reading our scripture today. Well, happy Independence Day weekend. It's wonderful to be back with you guys. Diane and I were in uh, San Diego last uh, week or, or the week before and, and through Sunday. I, um, I, I won't uh, tell you what the temperature was in Celsius, but in Fahrenheit it was about 64 degrees in the morning and uh, we enjoyed that very much. So uh, it's uh, so good to be back with you guys in uh, this Independence Day weekend though to uh, open the Word of God and see what it has to say to us from our ongoing study through the Gospel of John. You know, Fast Company magazine reported on one doctor's remarkable medical breakthroughs. He is a New Zealander, Ray Avery, and he said he started working on these medical breakthroughs after he discovered how much time he had left on this earth. He just got curious one day and he came up with this uh, complicated algorithm and determined that he had 4,795 days left to live, a little over 13 years. And he decided to put his remaining time into creating medical devices that would help the world's poor. He made a lot of money in the pharmaceutical industry up to that point, but he decided with his remaining 13 years estimated, he wanted to help the world's poor. And so in his garage, he built something called the Life Pod, an incubator for babies uh, for poor communities. It uh, costs about $2,000 to build instead of the average $40,000 to build. And uh, right now he's working on a way to take the leftover chicken bits that fast food restaurants don't use to make a highly nutritional supplement that could save millions of babies in the developing world. So what are you doing with your remaining time? In this passage that Katie read to us in John chapter 9 verse 4, Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. It used to be in Western cultures, people would say that line to each other, night cometh when no man can work, or simply night cometh. And it was just simply a reminder that there is a limited amount of time to accomplish the things we want to accomplish. I don't know if you have uh, Apple TV Plus, I do, and I was watching the Tom Hanks World War II drama Greyhound, and the lieutenant commander used that line to report that the radar was out. He said to the commander, night cometh when no man can work, sir. And I thought to myself that a lot of people, when they 
uh, watched that film probably assumed that guy was quoting something from a Shakespeare play with the antiquated language. But he was quoting from the King James Version of John chapter 9, verse 4. But in John chapter 9, Jesus wasn't speaking about the limited time we have to accomplish any task. He was talking about the limited time you and I to, a ha to accomplish a specific task. Jesus wants you and me involved in divine ophthalmology. Ophthalmology is that branch of science that focuses on people's sight and how to improve people's ability to see. Jesus wants us to be about the work of helping people see him. And we have only a limited time to be able to do it. In the first seven verses of John chapter 9, Jesus speaks about this work and then the urgency of this work and the means for this work and the partnership in this work. And so I want us to look at those four things today. I want us to look at the task and the urgency and the means and the partnership. If you've got your sermon notes, you can fill in this first blank. The task, your job, your task is to help others see Jesus. Now, throughout the study of the Gospel of John, we have found that uh, the Apostle John likes to speak on two planes of existence at the same time. So we hear Jesus uh, say something or we see Jesus do something on one plane, but then there is this spiritual plane of existence that John wants us to be aware of. And so here in this passage in John chapter 9, Jesus heals this man who was blind from birth. And as remarkable as that is all by itself, John wants us to see something on the spiritual plane. That if Jesus is able to cure blindness physically, he's also able to cure blindness spiritually. But in verse 4, he does not say, I must do the works of him who sent me. He said, we must do the works of him who sent me. In other words, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got your work cut out for you. Jesus has already laid it out for you. He says that you are to join him in a partnership of helping people see Jesus better. When you teach a children's class on Sunday morning, you are helping people see Jesus. When you are answering your friend's skeptical questions about Christianity, you are helping people see Jesus. When you invite someone to church and to your life group that meets after this worship service, you are helping people see Jesus. But it's not just non-believers who need to see Jesus. Believers need to see Jesus better. The reality is once we come into a relationship with Jesus, we don't know all there is to know about Jesus right at that moment. We need to be able to see him better and better as we move through life. And we go through periods of time as, as, as believers when we rebel against him, when we're not doing all the things that he wants us to do. We need to live out, better live out the implications of the gospel. And so when you see a friend of yours who is a believer and he is in rebellion and you bravely intervene in that person's life, you're helping a believer see Jesus better. And when two believers are in a marriage relationship with each other, but their marriage is in trouble, and you counsel them and encourage them and pray for them, you're helping believers see Jesus better. And when you are an adult life group leader and you're teaching a stewardship lesson one Sunday, it's not just to pay the bills of this church. You're helping people see Jesus better and to live out the implications of the gospel that they say they believe. 
I'll take it one more step and say that if you are supporting an organization that's designed to help people see Jesus, you're engaging in this work. And so uh, when you are uh, taking care of babies in the church nursery uh, so that their parents can be involved in a Bible study group with somebody else, you are engaged in an organization that helps people see Jesus better. And when you're serving as a greeter on Sunday morning and you're just giving people a sense that you are genuinely glad to have them in this building, you are participating in an organization that helps people see Jesus better. And when you are financially supporting a local church and when you're financially supporting the work of missionaries to go around the world, you are participating in organizations that help people see Jesus better. In all these ways, you have a role to play. Jesus didn't say in John chapter 9, verse 4, I must do the work of him who sent me. He said, we must do the work of him who sent me. But now Jesus also lets us know that we only have a limited amount of time to accomplish that work. And so on your sermon notes, let's look at the urgency of this task. You have a limited time to help people see Jesus. It's interesting, the, the, the whole of John chapter 9 is about confrontation. And much of John chapter 9 is about Jesus' confrontation with his enemies. And we plan to see the rest of John chapter 9 next week. But in these first seven verses of John chapter 9, the people that Jesus is confronting are not his enemies, but his own apostles. Did you notice that? Notice how John chapter 9 opens. These apostles are standing around a blind man, clinically diagnosing his situation. Maybe uh, you know something about teaching hospitals where uh, uh, prospective doctors and doctors in training are gathered around the bed of a sick person, and they're talking amongst themselves uh, about the sick person's condition the symptoms that they see, the possible diagnosis of the illness and the possible cures that they could be engaged in. And I'm sure sometimes the sick person in that bed is kind of lying there going, do they even know I'm here? Now, don't you think that's somewhat what's going on here? I mean, here are these apostles standing around this blind man and they're having this conversation with each other. Their arms are crossed and they're, they're stroking their chins and they're saying, yeah, I wonder, uh, I wonder how this man turned out to be blind. You think it was his parents' sin that caused this? And another speaks up and says, oh, no, 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 it wasn't his parents that caused this. It was his own, it was his own sinfulness that caused this. And, and they're having this conversation, and Jesus interrupts them, and he says, guys, we don't have time for this. We're not here to chatter on aimlessly about this. We're here to cure blindness. We must be about the work that my Father has sent me to do. Now, I wonder if Jesus isn't saying that about some of us today. We can be very much like these apostles were. We can get together in our men's breakfast groups and our ladies' lunches and our life groups and idly chatter on about the condition of the blindness of the world and what it's caused, the blindness of the world. And all along, Jesus might be saying, that's not what we're about, guys. Our job is not to complain about the blindness of the world. Our job is to cure blindness. Our job is to communicate Jesus so that people can see Jesus and the way things really are better. And then he reminds us of the limited time we have to do that work. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, he may have been referring to his own impending death, or he may have been referring to the inevitable death of his own apostles. Or I may have been referring in general to the fact that life is limited. 
And you're saying, now what a morbid thought for a nice Independence Day uh, weekend to think about this. It's not morbid at all. Remember, remember that story I started with, that New Zealand doctor, Dr. Ray Avery, he got curious about how much longer he was likely to live, and when he calculated how much longer he had, he didn't get morose, he didn't get morbid, he didn't get depressed. He decided, what do I want to do with the time I have left? And he decided to help people in poverty. When Jesus said, work while it's daytime because night is coming, he doesn't want you to get morbid. He doesn't want you to get morose. He doesn't want you to get depressed. He wants you to think strategically about what you are doing with your time. Are you spending time investing in relationships that need to see Jesus? Are you spending time in ministries that disciple believers so that they can see Jesus better? Are you volunteering to support ministries that help people see Jesus better? It's okay to have a career. The Bible isn't condemning that. It's okay to have a hobby and to spend time on that. You want your yard to look nice. It's great to spend time working in that yard. But what Jesus is wanting us to do here is, is critically assess how we're spending the limited time that we have. He is saying that there are still people in our lives, in our city, in our nation, in our world who do not see Jesus. And our time is limited to let them see him. But now this doesn't even have to be a reference to our death. I think likely that's what Jesus was speaking about. But there are doors of opportunity that close long before you leave this earth in death. I want you to think about this. Those of you who are in high school or those of you who are in college, you have a friend that the Lord has laid on your heart. She is not a believer. She doesn't know the Lord. Occasionally you think about speaking to her. But you haven't spoken to her yet, and you keep up making excuses as to when you're eventually going to do that. But then graduation comes, and all your friends scatter like you to all the next great adventures they're going to do in life, and that opportunity closes. I want you to think about this. You have a neighbor, and you've been thinking about that neighbor from time to time. You enjoy chatting with that neighbor, idling over various subjects, and you know the Holy Spirit has been prompting you to eventually say something about Jesus to that neighbor, but you keep putting it off, you keep putting it off, and then one day there's a for sale sign that shows up in that front yard, and the opportunity to influence that neighbor for Christ closes. Or you are a parent. I want you to think about this. There is, um, there's a ministry out there called Just 18 Summers. I don't know too much about the ministry, but I want to steal the title of that ministry and use it for the, the title of our children's and youth ministries in this church, Just 18 Summers. You know what that means? That is a reference to the fact that when you get that little bundle of joy and bring him or her home from the maternity ward, you have just 18 summers to disciple them and influence them before they leave the nest and move out into adulthood. And we need to recognize the fact then, parents, that there is this limited amount of time to disciple and to influence our children while they're still in our nest, while they're still under our influence. And so today's passage, Jesus reminds us to take this task seriously and understand the urgency of this task. Our task is to help people see Jesus, and we have just a limited amount of time to do something about that. But there's something else that we learn in this passage, a third thing that I learned from this passage. I learned the means that are at hand to accomplish this task. Write this down. Use whatever is at hand 
to help others see Jesus. You know, I've always found it interesting what Jesus did to heal this blind man. I mean, you've read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels. You know most of the time he just speaks a word, and his word is so powerful that that change takes place over that person's life with Jesus just declaring that they are healed. But in this instance, Jesus squats down and he spits into the dust and makes this mud paste. And he puts it on the closed lids of this blind man and he tells him to go and wash. And when the man does, he could see. I've always wondered why Jesus took this step in healing and healing this man in this particular story. And I'm not entirely sure uh, what all the motivations were, but one thing that I learned is this. I need to use whatever is at hand in the work of helping people see Jesus. If it's nothing more than spit and dirt, that's what I need to do to help people see Jesus. Now, I think a lot of us, we fall into the trap of thinking that because we don't have all the knowledge we need to answer every question somebody's going to ask us, or because we don't have all the resources we need in our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our adult ministry, that we just simply can't do this work. The congregation can start thinking like that. You know, if only we had a certain size youth group, uh, if only we had a certain this, if only we had a certain that, then we'd be able to be effective in our community. But since we're not, we're just really just from this point on needing to focus on our own people and taking care of each other's needs. Or closer to home and more personally, you start thinking, I'm not going to be able to answer every question somebody throws at me if I start talking about Jesus. If I start talking with my coworker about the gospel and he asks me, raises some objection about the Bible, I don't know all of that. And so the best thing that I can do is just kind of keep my mouth shut until I've studied the word a little bit better. I need to get involved in Bible study groups. And when I'm, when I'm an expert, then I'll open my mouth and I'll talk about Jesus. And then here's the Son of God the creator of galaxies himself, who just uses spit and dust, whatever is at hand, to bring somebody into a relationship with Jesus. We have all these excuses for not opening blind eyes, but we need to use whatever is at hand. You know, if, if the only thing you know how to make at home is spaghetti and meat sauce, and right now you haven't invited anybody over to your house to be an influence over their lives until you think you can be this fancy French chef, you've got another thing coming. You've got, you've got spit and dirt. You've got spaghetti and meat sauce. Make it and invite somebody over to your house. Uh, you think that there's nothing that you can do in ministry to children or to youth. You think your life is so irrelevant at this stage in your life when it comes to dealing with teenagers, dealing with children, but you can drive a van. You've got a driver's license, and you can help John take the youth from one place to another. You've got spit, and you've got dirt. Use it to uh, bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thankfully, though, there's one more thing that we can learn from this passage. Because if we really do have just a limited amount of time to help others see Jesus, and we have these limited resources to help others see Jesus, isn't it good to know we're in divine partnership in the process of helping others see Jesus? So write this point down. Here's your partnership. Jesus helps you help others see Jesus. Jesus helps you as you help others see Jesus. In verse 4, as I've already said, Jesus didn't say, I must do the works of him who sent me as, as if uh, we're to sit around and just watch him do all this marvelous work. But neither did he say, you must do the works of him who sent me as Jesus departs into heaven 
and sits on his throne and watches us strive and struggle and sacrifice. Jesus said, we must be about the work of the one who sent me. That's a great encouragement. Parenting is hard. If you are a Christian who is a parent, it is hard to disciple your children in what the Bible calls the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Isn't it good to know that Jesus says, we are in this together. I am with you in this work. It is hard to communicate your faith in the increasingly secular culture that we have around us. And when somebody raises an objection or raises a question, we don't exactly know how to answer it. Isn't it good to know that Jesus says we are in this work together? He is saying to you, I am at work on that person's heart in ways that you don't even know. Trust me and get together in this work with me. Volunteer work at a church is hard. And it was hard even before these 14 months of COVID restrictions. But now as churches are starting to come out of COVID restrictions, we find a whole different kind of hard when it comes to doing church work. I was talking with the staff. I've talked with the staff several times about the fact that we are going to have to adjust our expectations about what we think a win is as a church. Not just this church, any church that's coming out of these COVID restrictions right now, but we have to do a double type of duty as staff members, not only adjusting our expectations, but helping our volunteer leaders adjust their expectations as well. You come out of these COVID restrictions, especially in the midst of the summer when all of us are traveling and part of us are off in San Diego or different places on any given Sunday, and and, and it, you just feel like your life group isn't back at the strength it was at uh, when we were all back together again before COVID restrictions. You feel like the children's ministry, the youth ministry isn't where it needs to be. It's a different kind of hard coming out of COVID restrictions than volunteering in a church ever has been. It's good to know that Jesus says we are in this work together. I'm doing this work with you. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. COVID didn't catch me by surprise. I'm the beginning and the end. I already knew that all this was going to take place, and I knew how hard it was going to come, uh, to come out of these COVID restrictions. And I'm here to help you in this work of being in this church and developing this church in such a way that this is an organization where people can come and see Jesus. So in John chapter 9, the apostles wanted to sit around. They wanted to have a chat about what was wrong with this man, why he was blind, what are all the causes of his blindness? And Jesus said, that's not what we're about. And in the same way, we can be a lot like these apostles. We can sit around and idly and insensitively chat about what's wrong with this world, why this world is blind, what caused it. And Jesus says, that's not what we're about. We're here to help people see. And you have such a limited time to do it. Take what is at hand and help people see me. That's what Jesus was saying. Now, much of this passage, or much of this message on this passage, has been aimed at those who are believers already, and specifically those who are paid leaders and lay leaders in this church. But what about those of you who are not yet believers? You know what Jesus says about your life in this passage? Jesus says you're spiritually blind. Now, hopefully that's not offensive, it's not meant to be offensive, but Jesus is just simply letting you know that when it comes to understanding him, when it comes to understanding how deeply you need him, you just don't recognize that yet. Not until he opens your eyes spiritually. I've had a number of Christians tell me, you know, before I became a believer, I could not know how I could not see. 
I just couldn't see how I could not see. But once they came into a relationship with Jesus, the, the scales came off. Their eyes were open and they were able to see how far they were from God. They were able to see what Jesus had done to accomplish their salvation. They were able to see why they needed it. Now, if you've come to that realization today, you know what, I, I think that I've been blind up to this point, but I want to open my eyes to Jesus and let him be my Savior and Lord, then what should you do? Well, according to this passage, uh, Jesus tells us what to do. Look at verse 7. He tells, he tells the blind man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And then what does John do? The Apostle John explains it to us. John says, by the way, the name Siloam means sent. Now, why is that important? Well, Jesus has already said in this passage who the sent one is. He says, we must be about the works of him who sent me. Remember that? And then he tells this man to go wash in the pool of the sent one, Siloam. In the early years of the church, the earliest Christians would use this passage of Scripture to help people understand the importance of baptism. They would help people understand the importance of baptism by preaching out of this passage of Scripture. They weren't saying that baptism is an act that saves you, but they were saying that when you go through the waters of baptism, it is your public profession of faith. It is your public way that you are declaring to people that you put your faith and your life in the hands of Jesus. You are in baptism washing in the pool of Siloam. You are washing clean in the waters of the sent one. And what this passage says is true, it can be true about your life as well. It says this man went and washed and he came home seeing. You have that opportunity today too. You came into this place as a non-believer and you recognize now your spiritual blindness. You can go home seeing as you open yourself up to what Jesus has done for you in saving you. This concludes our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us next time as Dr. Goodman continues his series through the Gospel of John with a sermon titled, I Saw the Light. I'm your host, John Parker, and this has been Hillcrest To Go. For more information, please contact us at hillcrest.church. Mm-hmm.